Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us Mr. Robert Whitaker and Mr. David Roberts, TAFE extraordinaire. We will have uh, Dr. Tim Wharton joining us shortly. Um, we will be discussing mental health. It is um, for Mental Health Month. It was October. We couldn't get the podcast going for that time. So um, we have Tim here and we will talk about a whole bunch of stuff um, when he gets here. But I guess for now, let's recap the the fights on the weekend UFC 230 is some pretty exciting stuff super um, super stacked card obviously I had, I had a lot of interest in the oh it's in my face yeah. <laughs> the yeah, other so mic yeah no, no that's good enough. Um, okay yeah obviously I had a lot of interest in the in the the, the card on the weekend due to the fact that there were a lot of middleweights involved um, you know, there are a lot of fights that went the way we, we kind of predicted, but there were also some upsets. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to jump into it. I, um, did you watch the card? Yep. I was actually, one of the things I was impressed with was uh, Rob, Rob had predicted Adesanya's fight with Brunson pretty much down to a T. So I was pretty impressed with Rob's prediction. And I was obviously very, very impressed with Adesanya's performance. Um, what did you think of that performance? Um... You know, I, I said it before. I think I think Derek Brunson comes in very hot and cold. I think sometimes he he steps into that octagon, and uh, he just looks good. You know, he's out of fight. He he I don't know. He has a game plan in his head, and he does everything in his power to to, to try and push that. Like the the times he fought Yoel Romero, times he fought uh, Anderson Silva. Um. Yeah, but both times were. You know, I saw some, some really good stuff from him. You know, not barring the times he just stoned people. <laughs> you can't really plan for that. It just kind of happens. But, um, but yeah, you know, Adesanya came in, composed. He had his game plan. And Derek just didn't, didn't look himself. He didn't, he didn't look like he wanted to be there. Uh, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to... He wasn't um, setting up the, the takedowns. He, he was kind of just lunging at him. He was very hesitant on the outside. He wasn't giving Adesanya anything to worry about. And, uh, you know, if you give space to Adesanya like that, he's going to use it and use it well. Adesanya's kickboxing is, you know, super high caliber. So for him to just to, to, to play into Adesanya's hands like that, you know, that's and what happens. Adesanya's ability to use distance, manipulate space, and pick his shots makes him a very, very formidable opponent, especially if... Um, you can't get him down, like, and and um, he he looked very good, like his his ability to use his length as well, and his levers, and his ability to wrestle off the cage. But what I like with him is his distance <coughs> control. So the the wrestling defense and the takedown defense it starts long before the guys get to him. You know, similar, different, but similar to to the same way you use your distance control. And I think a lot of people don't really realize that until they get in there with yourself, Stephen Thompson, um, Adesanya, a, a bunch of other high-level, uh, Darren Till, McGregor, like guys like that, that, that the way they control the space, it makes it very difficult to take you down because you have to, you have to get through a lot of walls of defense before you can even grab them. So it was very interesting. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, Adesanya in that mid-ground, if you, if you play in that mid-ground with him, you are in for a bad night. He controls it so well. His striking game is, is top caliber, as you said. He can pick his shots, and he controls that middle distance so, so well. And with Brunson, who was staying in that middle distance, you know, not really, 
engaging, hesitating a lot, and then just throwing himself at uh, at Israel for for the, for the takedowns. You know, he didn't just do it once or twice. That's kind of how he was shooting the whole time. And um, it was starting to become predictable. You can see that when Adesanya started lining up those knees. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it was it was all downhill for, 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 for Brunson, I feel. Do you have any? Um, I just, his post-interview, he spoke about sort of using Brunson, watching your fight, and he knows that he rushed and he, he was just very calculated in his, when he would strike and he said everything was strategic he wasn't wasting energy he was there for every punch and I think what he actually said he delivered on was just a very clean crisp fight for him he, what's his tag like his odd style or what, what's, what's his style bender style bender I, I think it refers that? to uh, I think I'm not sure yeah. you know so I don't I think it refers to a video game I think I, I don't know it's not the way how he fights. Is he? Uh, is he it might fighter? be a play on words, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's got something to do with a video game character. Yeah. I've got no idea. Very odd. <laughs> He's an odd guy, but yeah. <laughs> He's um. The the other thing I, I I thought as well, like I thought, and he Adesanya said it as well, but I thought Brunson was going to come out like he did against Rob. <laughs> I, I really thought he would. <clears throat> Because I felt that he was very hesitant in that mid-ground. And from there, you're just going to get fucking picked apart. Yeah, so yeah that he, he would have had much more success if he had gone at Adesanya like you and me. You know, uh, maybe. Maybe it would have ended up the same way it ended up with yeah, you. Maybe. Um, but the way, at, the way Brunson fought was probably the worst way you can fight against someone like Israel. It was just... It played in Israel's strengths perfectly. And, you know, that's a fight game. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But um, I, f- I just feel with Brunson, he, he kind of... He's either hot or cold. Like I said, he's had a lot of good fights where he he comes in with a game plan and he sticks and he forces his game plan on these op- opponents and um, he gives his opponents a hard time. One of the things I've read to is that was his fourth fight in the year. Is Israel was or something like that? There was some sort of yeah, talk yeah. around that, like around. Is, how, with that, is what's that like for a fighter to have four fights in a year? Is that common or? I think it depends who you. Well, I'll, I'll answer this for yeah. Rob, for example. Like I think it depends who you fight and how those fights go. Because like even in the other fight, just before I forget the guy's name, um, Carl Robertson, he fought the the guy that fought straight after, um, that fought that Marshman guy. He, he had a fight and they were going da 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 went the distance but he broke his foot or looked like he broke his foot early in that in that piece if you break something in a fight you're not going to be able to fight again in six weeks if you go in there and you starch someone within a couple of minutes and there's no injury nothing you didn't sustain any injuries in training camp then sure you can do it again um, but at that level, also, like you look at a guy like Weidman, I think he might be like four and one or three and one in his last four fights. And Weidman, it's 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 got nothing to do with his abilities because dudes like like he's a great fighter, but he's just fought some monsters. So I mean, Israel has had some really good wins in the in the last um, few fights in the last four fights that he's had, and he's sustained no damage. So sure, he could keep fighting, you know. Like, and and it's different when you're coming up, when you're coming up like Rob fought Jacare, and then six weeks later fought Romero. 
and you've got to take those opportunities and you've got to, but that's, that takes its toll on your body. So I don't know, what do you think? That's from me, from a coach's perspective. Yeah, my that's my that's that's my opinion as well. You're like like for instance I don't I don't have a set amount of fights I try to fight a year. It's 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 whenever I will literally fight whenever my body's at hundred percent and the training's been put in. You know, and, and, and that's that. Like uh like um, you know, Fab just mentioned, I, I, I fought a bunch of guys back to back because I had sustained no damage and the training was behind me and everything was going well. And then I did sustain damage and then I had to slow it down again. You know, like for, for instance, this year, I've only had one fight this year and it looks like I'll only have one fight this year. So, um, uh, and then, and that's fine. Like I, I need this time to, to recover from my injuries, get back on the, in, in, into training, uh, you know, pushing that, that pace to a, to a slowly getting to a hundred percent and then, and then focusing on that, that next fight. And then you know who knows how how the next fights come on. You know it's not one of, it's not one of those things that you can that you can plan. It's just how you get out of those fights. You know, but then then there's some people that, that that want to fight a lot, and then there's others like this is just from like a physical perspective. You know, and, and my own mentality and fab mentality. Like there are, there are some guys that want to fight that much, even at the detriment of their own health. Whether you know I, I don't think that's very good, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> This, there was talks about that with not to jump too far ahead, but with the DC and Lewis fight, Lewis fought in the next card. Um, there was a lot of people saying that it was actually better for Lewis because he kept his cardio up, if you can say that, and he was busy as opposed to having long layoffs where you can become a little bit more complacent. Is that BS from just the general people who were not in the fight game? I, I don't know. Everybody's different. Maybe. Uh Derek Lewis is the kind of guy. Are you talking about Derek Lewis? Have yeah. you Derek Lewis. Um, I don't know him, so I don't. I can't say this, but maybe he's the kind of guy that only trains for fights and doesn't is not in the gym all, all the time, improving those skills. I don't know that this is the case. I'm just guessing. If that is the case, then it might be better for him to stay busy. But the fight that he had prior to this was not an easy fight. It was a was a war, and he sustained damage in that. And a lot of the times, let's be real, like the promoters and that, not just not talking about the UFC, but the promoters in general, a lot of managers, a lot of coaches don't care about the fighter. They want their cut of the money and they want the fighter to fight. So they don't care. You know, they got 20 other guys to look for. The promoter has 400 guys. So they'll say whatever. They'll say anything. I, I don't know. In Derek Lewis's case, per se, I don't know. Um, I know that, say, if we have guys, then we'll all make a decision as to what's best for them in, in, in accordance with, with them. Um, one of the things is you've got to protect the fighters from the fighter. Um, like Rob would have fought Rockhold when he had the staff and the chicken pox because he would have cleared it by the time fight night came around. But myself, the other coaches, his doctors, we vetoed it. And we can't, you can't leave that decision up to Rob. You can't go, oh, are you, if, mate, if you want to go back, go back. Like, nah, like how, how the fuck is that going to work? He's going to say yes, you know? What, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, the, it's exactly as you said. I probably would have fought Rock Island <laughs> with the, the staff and everything else. Um, it, it's hard because as a, as a fighter, you just want to fight. That's what you. That's what you're here to do. You know, and I think that's important for a fighter to have. It's um. 
I think I think a lot of fighters feel the same way. We'll fight at any time, anywhere, trained or not trained. That's just how we are, and uh, it's it's the, the the responsibility of of your coaches and your, and your other teammates to pull you back when you need to, to tell you, all right, no, you can't just do what you want. You need to you need to relax. You need to you need to do X, Y, and Z before stepping in there. No, you've had it. You just had a bad loss. You need to chill. You need to. You need to get back on the wagon, you need to recover, you need to recuperate. Because um, Lewis backed up the fight. And yeah, it was good for him in a sense that he didn't blow out like he, he, he does. He's notorious for that. Um, I think that needs to be addressed before anything else, before you even consider a title shot. But, but how know. do you say no to a title shot yeah, yeah. as well? Do you know what I mean? You know, um, and then the, the other thing is, it's like Lewis took a lot of damage in that fight before uh, the DC fight. Took a lot of damage. He got hurt several times. Well, it came down to the last twenty seconds. Yeah, yeah, but like he, he almost got finished in the first. He almost got finished in the second. Like, yeah. like he, he he got hurt, and he didn't even look good going into that fight. He looked injured. He looked hurt, and um, for him to back up a fight like that, you know, in the course of what, what was it? Two weeks? Three, three, was three it? weeks. Well, yeah. Three weeks, like that's 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 crazy. You took massive damage, but then, like like you just said, it's a title shot, you know. And and how many times is Lewis gonna have a title shot? Lewis's whole game plan is kind of just to hit people, <laughs> you know. And you know, like the the easy way to for for a lot of people to understand it, I think, um, say how you are, for instance, how I am as well, um, and it will kind of segue for for when Tim comes along. But if you're going through something whether it's like mental health or you're going through, you're sick or, or whatever, and you work, like the way you work, for instance, David Roberts, and the amount of stuff you do with your work, your work's your vocation, your work's your passion. So you come in, you don't stop working at 5 p.m. You go home and you continue to work and you continue to network for, you know, a lot of stuff in the Aboriginal community, a lot of stuff strategically for TAFE and for the section. And so when you're sick, you think how hard it's been for people to get you to take a day off. You still keep coming in. But there's a point where people that, that are your friends that care about you or whatever say, hey, Dave, um, you need to take some time off for you. And they can't say to you, hey, if you feel like it, take next week off. You can't. You have to leave that in the hands of somebody else. And um, it's like that with them, but the risk is... Man, I'm not going to say, look, it is higher acutely as in the brain trauma and whatnot, but it's it's not because like long-term shit affects you as well, you know, but but it's the same thing. Some, you can't, ha you can't make that decision. Somebody has to be there, whether it's your wife or your friends or whoever, to say, hey, you, you need to take some time off. That, that's kind of why it's so important to have those, have that good network and that good team around you because you're putting a lot of... You know, and as you should, you're putting a lot of responsibility into their hands. Like I'm putting, I, I put a lot of, a lot of responsibility and, and trust and faith in your hands, in Alex's hands, Justin's hands, and like, I, like, and you need that that trust and that that confidence in your team to do the right thing for you, for for you. You know, and that that's that's super rare and hard to find in the industry that that we're in, in the fight world. You know, sadly enough, it is. It's super hard to find. There um. Like Fab mentioned, Fab mentioned before, that there are a lot of fight teams out there that have a bunch of dudes on the roster, and you got knocked out in training, you can still fight on the weekend, <laughs> you know. Got, you got to pay me somehow, you know what I mean? And then it's sad. It's sad that that pe people get caught up in that. 
Um, yeah, that, that's from me. So as far like going back to the thing, as far as Israel fighting four times in a year, I think that's a, that's a great accomplishment and feat into itself. I think he was speaking about he fought in kickboxing. I think he had 20-something fights in one year. Um, that's incredible. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, so if you could pick a, the next fight for him, who would it be? Oh, man, like, he can fight anyone. He's good, you know what I mean? He's as good as anyone. There's, like, a whole bunch of guys there that are as good, you know? Like, um, I'd be interested to see him fight, like, a Rockhold. Any of these guys. A Rockhold, Wideman. Like, Jacare? Uh, hmm? Well, I think Jacare is probably going to get the winner of Rob and Gastelum. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, so Weidman, Rockhold, Romero. I, I think Israel is right up there with those types of guys. You know, like to, to and they they are an interesting breed of fighter. You know, and he he is definitely in that company, like in that top five thing. And and there every fight is fifty fifty. Um, no matter no matter what anyone says like you, you might go out there and get starched but every one of those fights is 50 50 all of those guys have been in the game long enough that they can handle their their mind space they can handle their nerves they can handle like uh they've all been in big fights i think every single one of those guys has been world champion romero hasn't but he was world champion in wrestling he wrestled at the Olympics, was a silver medalist at the Olympics, fought for, fought for the title twice, both times against you. So you're talking about guys that have that, every single one of those guys has championship fighting experience. If not, they were already champions. Jacare was a champion in strike force. Gastelum wasn't, but um, he's, he, no, he's been tearing it up. But Jacare was a, a champion in strike force. Uh, Rockhold was a champion in the UFC and in Strikeforce. Weidman was a champion. Romero fought for the belt twice. So this has now become very exclusive company where you're coming into that those top five, six guys. And then there's guys that, that aren't in the top five that are, that are very, very dangerous. So I, I think Israel, I'd like to see him fight someone there. I think he deserves it. And I think that there's some good fights there. What do you think, Rob? I'd like to see him fight Romero. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd like to see anyone fight Romero. That dude's, that dude's hard. I just want to, I just want to sick Romero on the people. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I'd like to see that fight. Like, um, I'm very curious to see how Romero is in his next fight. Like, super curious. Well, he he wasn't able to fight because of the injury sustained. Yeah, he's still injured now. So, um, yeah. So I'm very, I'm very. The problem is with him being the age that he is. How's he going to look? That, that's in, what I mean. If it takes another year off, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like uh, he's still injured now. He's going to come back what next year? He'll be forty-two. Forty-two. Um, you know who he knows? might fight like his son for the world title. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows how he comes back? You know after after the last fight with me. You know, uh, so I'm, I'm very curious. But if he comes in like he fought me to anyone else, like to, to Israel or something, I I want to see that fight because. I want to see someone else deal with Romero like he was when I fought him the second time. It was ridiculous. When you see, you know, talk about fighting four times in a year, when you see a fight like Rob's and Romero's, you're not, you're not having, you, you can't have four of those fights in your career. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Like, if Rob was having, if Rob, say, Gastelum and Rob have potential to be a war. 
could be could they could one of them could smoke each other easy as well or they could have a massive war but me from my stance with the other coaches if it goes one two three four wars like that we have to start going dude like we need it we this isn't the the best thing for us to do hey can i ask are we live yeah okay cool yeah um yeah, so if, if he has that many wars, then no, we can't we can't do it. That's a that's a good thing about my, my, my coaching team, is that uh, that's why I'm very proud of my team. It's uh, they care about my health before fighting. You know, even even if I they they would rather give me advice to, to put the gloves up. You've been in too many wars, than try to make some more money off my back. And you know you know what people don't understand. It doesn't matter. This is a fucking retarded thing that people say. Like, yeah, but he could still be winning. And I think, do you think your brain knows that it won the fight? Your brain doesn't know that it won the fight. It just knows it got trauma. That's the same as like that when people go, oh, it was accidental doping. You know, like that accidentally took it. Like it was like, maybe it was, maybe the guy didn't mean to take it. But who gives a shit? Because physiologically, you still experience the same advantage as if you meant to take it like it's not like you didn't mean to take it and so then that means you hit the other guy any any less so the physiological advantages are still there and the physiological uh impact of being hit in the brain doesn't matter if you won or lost you you still got hit you still experienced severe trauma how are you feeling now rob Hey, how are you feeling now? Like it's been a while since we spoke about your health. I was watching the catching up on the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, I saw a thing where you went to shake Dana's hand, but it was still with your your other hand. And it just reminded me, oh crap, you were you were injured. My strong hand. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm I'm doing really well. I'm doing yeah. really well. You know, um, we're just training away with the team. Been helping um, a few guys of ours fight. Uh, Jacob Malcolm just fought the the other week, and um, you know had a, that was had a crazy a, fight. Yeah, had a good strong <laughs> win there. So. Um, we're still preparing a couple of couple of guys. Jacob may be fighting again, so we're helping him. David Francis, you know, one of our teammates, is fighting. We've got Izzy, who's always there, always ready. Yeah, those guys will probably be in the UFC very soon. Yeah. I would, I would say. Yeah, I'm very confident in, in in our team to to break into the UFC. That's that, and you know, I'm we're confident to a point that we don't need to push it. It'll just happen. So I, I want to get. I'm going to get your team. Yeah. yeah sure. So so we're doing everything every, everything right. I, I believe. So we're dealing with that. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm training myself. You know, I'm not training myself. My, my team's training me. Yeah, I'm just training a lot uh, in prep for next February. You know, I think there's been a lot of rumours out there. Yeah, that was my next question. So what is the official February, uh, Sydney, Melbourne, well, Let me just Brisbane. see if I've got clearance. Oh, <laughs> you can't. All right, we'll leave that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know yet if I, if I have... If I have clearance, yeah, yeah. that's but what I thought. It wasn't official on the page, so I yeah, just yeah, no. But but with the, there is a strong push to bring the fight in Melbourne, yep. February. Um, yeah, I've, I've I've alluded to that a lot of times that I've been trying to push it really hard, and it looks like it's really starting to pick up, and it, it's a real possibility. So uh, if I can if I can defend the title in home soil, that'd be great for me. You know, that's been one of my biggest goals and dreams since since starting my career is to to bring the belt home, which I did, and then defend the belt at home, which yeah. I'm going to. Well, so uh, yeah, so that's uh, you know, there'll be there'll be big landmarks in my career. Um, just just a lot of prep for that. There's a uh, 
only about three and a half months, which is a, it's a good amount of time, but it goes quick. It goes very quick. Especially over the vacation period, Christmas and all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You How know, do you balance it? It, oh, it pisses me off every time, every time, every every Christmas and every New Year's for the last several years. I've had to be dieting and training. I've trained on Christmas like every year for like the last five <laughs> years, just because even 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 last year I didn't. I was supposed to fight in January or February or whatever it was, and I had to train through Christmas again. And then I ended up not fighting. I could have been enjoying Christmas, but you know it is what it is. You know they 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 they're the things, the sacrifices one must make. So one of the fights we haven't spoken about was the Jackaray fight. What was your that was a bit of a well one. I think it got <coughs> fight of the night as well. Yeah, you know, as it should. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm, I, uh, I'm biased for that fight. I, I, I like both guys. I think both guys are top caliber. I think Weidman is one of the best middleweights in the world. Like he is serious caliber. He's he's got a serious set of skills and he's he's a dangerous guy. He was um, winning too the that, first two rounds. Yeah. So I mean, like, and, and that's he, Fab touched on it before. For, yeah. Weidman has fought killers. <laughs> For his last his last five fights, have, he's fought killers, and um, and he's been winning a lot of those fights, <laughs> you know, until he, he just got caught, and that's just that's just how the fight game works. That's why whenever we um anyone asks me like, oh, you're gonna win this fight or you're gonna win this fight, every fight's fifty fifty. You can do everything right, like Weidman has done multiple times. He's, he's done everything right. He's been winning every single round, and then you just get caught right at the end, or you just get clipped here. And, and it changes the fight. That's why a fight is never higher than 50%. It can't be. Like, it, it can't be. You can do everything right and still lose. Um, but that fight between him and Jacare, that was, that was one of the fights where I wanted Jacare to win because I'm, I'm a fanboy of his. Yeah. And even though I fought him, I'm, I'm a fanboy of his. I, um, I respect the way he fights. I respect the way he conducts himself. I think he, he is an honorable guy. He's a respectful guy. He does the right things. You know, I think he's a good example for the sport. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy for him to, to get that win. I didn't think he'd have what it takes to, to put it over Wyburn, you know, um, after his loss to Gastelum, which was very, a very close, close, close fight as well. I thought maybe, maybe Gast- uh, maybe Wyburn does the same thing, you know, kind of just picks him apart, maybe takes him down a couple of times and then gets a decision win. You know, if if not like a, a TKA sort of win, but I, I didn't see that happening. I saw more a decision win for, for, for Wyburn. Were you surprised that didn't go to the mats at all? Like they were mainly striking the whole time? Yeah. Um, I think Jackery or Weidman would have... Who, who would have won the Matt game, you Because that, that was an interesting... Uh, who knows? They're, they're, they're both they're, they're both super high-caliber ground dudes. They're, <laughs> they're both both very high-caliber ground dudes. But yeah. you could see the amount of respect they had for each other's ground. So, um, like, uh, Weidman almost got a got a single leg and yeah. Jacare rolled into a knee bar and <laughs> Weidman <laughs> quickly let it go and yeah. got out of there. Um, it's dangerous, you know... You, Weidman could have taken him down, and and but then you're playing kind of into Jacare's right. strength. Yeah. So uh, I think I think Weidman fought very smart, very well. He st- he kept his distance, threatened to take down once, kept his distance, was beating him up on the outside. But Jacare is just Jacare knows what Jacare needs to do. He yeah. knows what he needs to do, and he did that. He yeah. just he just took it, tried to strike from the outside, um, made Weidman uh, fear the takedown as much as he was. So like, yeah, you can take me down, but then you know we're gonna play a different game, and uh, I'm sure that played on Weidman's uh, mind a little bit, and then Shakhtar just clipped him, 
and that and that was that. With, with that end punch, people's been talking about it that he hit him sort of more in the temple as opposed mm. to the chin. Yeah. What's your views on that? Because they say that the temple is more where for for a kicking, and it's been referred to you that that's where you normally kick someone or. Well, punching someone right in the temple, what's the impacts of that? Because he, he, he knocked him out and the ref stopped, didn't stop the fight. That's, that's another controversy. That yeah, the, the, yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ref, the ref kind of not stopping it and then letting Jacques hit him again. And yeah. Weidman was gone. Like when that hit landed, Weidman was on his back, like, like just kind of staring there for a bit before he started getting to get back together and he shot and then he got hit again yeah. um what's a shot in the temple like it's, yeah it's a bit uh, there, there, there are several spots on the head that that are, are kind of more vulnerable than others like one's yeah. the chin yeah. one's the temple and one's behind the ear yeah. like those those three spots are like known spots for 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 like flash knockouts you know yeah. flash dropping getting dropped like um in my last Romero fight i got i got i got skimmed in the temple and i got dropped um yeah, it, it it also depends on who's hitting you. <laughs> Jacques is a big dude, yeah. and he throws he throws with a lot of heat. So um, I think like I think Jacare has more chance of knocking someone like Wyman out than say Fab throwing a right hook. As big and powerful as Fab is, I, like yeah. is much uh, very different. You know what I mean? Um, very happy for for Jacare to get that win, and I'm always rooting for the underdog, especially him. He's still kicking on. You know, at his age. So, what do you reckon the next fight for Jacare is? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think there's there's a real potential for him to fight the winner of me and Gaslam. So, um, I think that's that's on the cards. Um, yeah, you know, who knows? Who knows how the UFC play things? You know, um, maybe they throw him up against Adesanya because Adesanya is had he's having a real strong role right now. So uh, that might be a thing. Rockhold. Yeah, Rockhold. You know, Rockhold had a pull out of that fight with uh, with 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 Wyden, but then they might put Rockhold up against Adesanya now because he had to pull out of that fight. You know, who knows? Um, just gonna have to wait and see and, and and see what the UFC does. See see how every other fighter is is trailing and, and kind of uh, gauge off that. Yeah. So the final fight that we haven't spoken about is um, Daniel Cormier defending his title. Did you speak about Kenyon? No. No, no, no. Do you no, want to start no. on that one? With your fucking Kenyan, yeah. He just jumped straight to Jacare. What do you want from me? Oh, did we talk about Jacare and Warden? Yeah, sorry to <laughs> sorry to all our listeners, mum and dad. Um, <laughs> uh, we were just talking about um, the fights and I went and got Tim, who's our guest today. Um, Tim, do you, let's just introduce Tim real quick. Yep. Um, do you want to grab a microphone, Tim? Do you want to tell us your little spiel about who you are again? Because you've been on the show before. Uh, this is Tim Wharton, Dr. Tim Wharton. <coughs> Almost. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. Tim Wharton, hopefully, as of February. Um, who am I? Where do I start? Ask me some questions. What do you do? I do. What do I do? I um, work for juvenile justice. I, I'm a senior practice officer, um, which means I sort of um, work to improve the practice skills of everyone in my region, from Surrey Hills down to the border. Um, I've also got a private practice. Um, predominantly working with um, people with sexualized behavioral problems. Um, children with sexualized behavioral problems is my bag. Um, it's a strange sentence to say out loud, um, but it's what I do. But I also work with um, adults, and I've got sort of a bit of a growing niche for, with um, uh, some people have labeled non offending pedophiles. So people who will admit or who have some sort of sexual attraction to children but don't act on it. 
um, and they say they want help, but there's sort of um, not many places you can go for that sort of a problem. Uh, yeah, that's I think that's that's what I do. I guess that's a that's a hard thing to for people to admit, like trying to yes. trying, trying to get people good on them. Yeah, for for, yeah, for yeah. seeking that help because uh, it's kind of a really you fucking don't want them doing it after they've done yeah, it. Yeah, exactly so right. Like, which so is which is generally what happens. They they offend and society says you need to change um but if they so there are there are some stories of these people going to see sort of the you know, the average sort of corner store psychologists um and, and and those psychologists don't feel comfortable with that disclosure and nor should they be but their first port of call is often the police which destroys everything uh, mm. in terms of uh, helping them to change before we go down this somber somber path yeah, that's right. <laughs> um <laughs> I just wanted to introduce who Tim was today. Uh, he was meant to be here for Octo- during October, which was uh, Mental Health Month. We all had different commitments at various times. And so uh, we got him at the end of October, start of November, to celebrate that. But um, we're going to finish our recap of the UFC. Then we're going to get into just that conversation with, with, um, with Tim. Tim is one of those people who's the good news panda. And then after we have Tim here talking about all the stuff that he's going to talk about, um, no one will want to do anything for the rest of the day. So we'll, we'll end, end the podcast on that note. We'll end the podcast on a good note. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, no, what I was saying was uh, Canyonier. And Branch. And Branch. Canyonier is a gorilla, man. Like he is. They call him the killer gorilla. Did you watch your fights with him? No, I haven't seen on anything weekend? on a screen except for words. For All right. Well, you're going to be a word. barrel of fun this yes, podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he's a Canyonier is an absolute monster. What do you think, Rob? Um, yeah, it's it's hard. I saw Branch like he went for the takedown. He he fought for it twice. He, and it was it was a good scramble. It was a good takedown attempt. He did get Canyonier. Canyonier down, but um, kind of down, yeah. Didn't I, hold him down. Yeah, he couldn't hold him down, but he, he pulled him off the fence a couple yeah. times, and and you know he did the he did the right things. I think that was a right trainer path to to go. Maybe he forced the takedown too much, and um and and wore his arms out, especially because with a guy like Canyonier, you can't really have worn out arms. <laughs> you kind of need those up near your chin at all times. And he's fought, he's fought at heavyweight, he's fought at light heavyweight, and he came down to 185, and that, that's a scary man at 185. Yeah, but that, that was the right train of thought, though, is to, to, to attempt to take down getting tired. 100%. But, but I think Branch overcommitted in the shots, put too much into that basket, wore himself out, just that tiniest bit, to where Canyon Nair could, could capitalise on it. What do you think of it, Dave? Kenyon Air, his physique, I was like, is that Romero? Like, he, he, he's jacked up, but he's really yeah. solid, so put it this way. Um, oh, in oh, fairness, mate, no one's as jacked as Romero. <laughs> oh, true, true. <laughs> Kenyon Air is jacked, but Romero is something else. Yeah, pretty much, um, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to remember the fight. I just remember that he dominated. Like, he, he's he, physically, he, I think it was just over-intimidating for me. Like, I, I, <laughs> you couldn't watch I, it. I, I, couldn't, I was just like, dude, that guy scares the hell out of me. How, how do you see um, Kenyon Air with... Some of the other guys in that division, I, I think. I think just sheer athleticism and, and, and physical prowess will get him pretty pretty far. But and, and it can. If you're if you're a big dude, you've got, got cardio and your your power. You you got power in your hands. You can go very high. Like that 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 just that's just how it is. That's just the game. But it's when you start going up against people like Weidman, people like uh, your Rockholds, um, Adesanya, because him and he. Ad- 
He's not going to try and take yeah. Adesanya down. And even if he could, I don't think he could hold Adesanya down. More or less, anyone that can control that range, anyone that can stop you from just bulldozing in and pick you apart from the outside, you know, soften you up a little bit, anyone who, anyone who can do that to him, he's going to have a little bit of trouble, in my opinion. <laughs> um, what do you think of the other fight with uh, Robertson? I didn't see that fight, unfortunately. Which one's that? The one, Carl Robertson, he fought uh, Jack Marshman, broke his foot early in the fight. Southpaw. Well, if you didn't see it, it's going to be fucking shit <laughs> for me. To just sit here. I'm sorry, I missed that fight. <laughs> it was a good fight. Yeah. Uh, it was two strong guys. It could, they, they had decent stand-up. Um, I think that Carl Robinson came in with uh, like a, a lot of kickboxing hype. He was a guy that knocked out the guy in, um, I think, 20 seconds or something. And uh, in... What's that show called? We were in Vegas, I'm pretty sure. Contender. In the Contender, yeah, yeah. And, and um, yeah, he looked good, but I, I'd like to see those two fight, Kenny Yeah and Robertson fight. Mm. Um, I guess this is going to become like awkward because no one else watched it, and so it's just me talking. <laughs> yeah, we're just like, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, nice. So it's like, a, still it's like Tim at a dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> but people are interested, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess the, the only fight we haven't touched on yet is Lewis and... Um, and DC, what do you think? I think it went ex- exactly like uh, I thought it would. I, th- I think, um, yeah, it went exactly like I, I thought it would. Uh, Cormier took him down a couple times, wore him out, and then submitted him. I thought it, it was. I thought um, exactly how DC fought. I thought it was going to be exactly the same. Whether it was going to be a submission or a TKO. I didn't. I couldn't really tell, but um, I knew DC was just going to stay on the outside, which he's done a lot of times because he's a shorter fighter. He's had to fight a lot of dudes with power and and uh, range than him because he's he's generally the smaller fighter. At uh, least the shorter uh, fighter. Yeah, not small, smaller, shorter fighter in the in the in the matchings. Generally, how big's DC for people? Like, because people might look at him think he's not a big guy, but how big is he? Um, I guess the the best comparison would be to like a a Barina. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's a he's a <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's not long. He doesn't have a lot of length. Doesn't have a lot of range. But he's he's compact and 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 compact. <laughs> he's he's a keg man. Yeah. He is so thick. Like um, he's just a thick dude. He's a big big guy. He's also undefeated as a heavyweight. He's never lost as a heavyweight. And even in his wrestling career, the few times where he's wrestled at a heavier weight. He's done better. He's done well. Or oh, I don't know if he's done better, but he's did, he did very well at any weight. But he did very well as a heavyweight as well. He's, 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 he's I think he's probably more suited to that weight. To be honest, he's just short. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to go exactly that way. He he's had a lot of experience fighting taller, rangier guys, so he knows how to stay on the outside, blitz in. He catches either a leg or anything for that matter and never lets it go. Never lets it go. And then he'll do that again and again and again on rinse and repeat. Um, yeah, I, I always saw the fight going that way, barring Lewis clipping him. But we, 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 we touched on uh, on Lewis's training methods and the way he fights. I don't think he, he was ready for that fight, but I don't think he had a choice. Um, I think that's kind of Lewis's plan in every fight is just kind of go in there and hit you and hope you'd get knocked out. So, yeah, good on Lewis for, 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 for taking that fight. Good on DC for, for winning that fight the way he did and recla- uh, retaining his belt. Didn't DC suplex Lewis? 
as one of the takedowns. He just lifted him up and slammed he, him. Yeah, he took him down. Like whenever, down. whenever DC got him, like in saying that, like the the Volkov guy um took him down, took Lewis down. Like it, it's he's very he's very easy to. I wouldn't say easy, but he, he's very takedownable. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a new term. <laughs> you could use that, guys, if you want. He's very takedownable, and um, yeah, and, and he uh, fought a great wrestler with great takedownability. <laughs> yeah, so. who's got great ground game and great ground and pound, and has a submission arsenal. Like, yeah, it is what it is. That's how that's how it was always going to go. What's next for DC? Lester Jones at heavyweight. I th- I think it'll be um. He's obviously pushing the Lesnar fight because I think he wants a big payday before he's, he's out, his outro. Um, I'd like to see him fight Stipe. I'd like to see that fight a, again. A rematch? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think Stipe is, a, I think, the heavyweight that's defended the most amount of times in the UFC yeah. and he never got his, his um, he never got a rematch and I, I'd like to see that rematch. I'd like to see them fight. I think Stipe is, is owed a rematch. I think he yeah. deserves a rematch. But... Um, yeah, I, I think, I really do think Stipe is, uh, not Stipe, um, DC is just going to really push that Lesnar fight. I was pushing it before Lewis. Yeah. And um, DC's taking fights with his brain now. Like, uh, he's looking for his exit. He wants to make as much money as he can before he exits, and that's it. So um, I think he's going to avoid, like, Jones and Gustafson and Stipe as much as he can. I think he's going to try and fight Stipe. Maybe take a fight after that. Who knows? But um, he's going to try and fight someone like Liz- Lesnar, get that get that fight, get that payday, and then make his exit because he's yeah he, he wants it he wants to exit like he he's ready to tie it up to to wrap it up. What, what else? Two two belts. What else is there for him to achieve besides Lesnar? Is it all like the WWE belt? The WWE he said belt. That. Yeah, that's yeah, what he, he wants. said that. He wants the WWE belt. He's well, got personality. Good on him. Yeah, no, good on him. You know, um, he's a good guy. He's doing the right things. Uh, he fights hard. Steepy was a hard fight. Lewis was a hard fight. He's um, yeah. You know that, that's just how it is. Oh, um, I guess we'll let's move on to uh, Tim and the reason we we have from Mental Health Month. We brought Tim. Let's let's um, segue away from the fights. That's always the smooth segue. Yeah, mate, right. if how smooth was that? <laughs> mate, I'm one of the smoothest segwayers on this planet. But you just got to do it like a band-aid. Yeah, <laughs> you just do it like a fucking band-aid. You took a fair bit of hair off with that one. Yeah. <laughs> I grabbed it like this. That's right. Otherwise, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. We'd just stay on the fights. Um, so, I guess more on what you were saying earlier, and um, I wanted I wanted to ask you, I wanted to touch on a few things myself personally. I wanted to speak about because it, it is Mental Health Week that we're talking about, and um, I did want to speak about, I guess, just the mental health that's the ailments that are most prevalent in our society at the mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what you see, and like, w- w- what's the most prevalent things? It's hard to say what's most prevalent because you can't take into consideration what's not reported. So there are, I'm sure there are a lot of people in contemporary Western societies that are hugely uh, uh, unhealthy but have considerable drinking habits or um, really like to make a lot of money. Is that better? Yeah. Like to, you know, so things like that can kind of... Uh, not that there's anything wrong with a drink or not that there's anything wrong with making money, but there are lots of different ways that you can 
self-medicate uh, uh, that, that look um, healthy. Uh, a hugely successful business person, for example, might be really suffering and, 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 and distract um, uh, uh, their own sort of uh, anxiety or depression with a continuous need for accomplishment and, and acquisition of things, for example. Will, will, that, will that stave off a breakdown? Um, can, it, can it stave it off perpetually? Uh, potentially, but when it happens, it's going to be enormous. But it'll, um, it'll, it'll. Can they do that perpetually, though? Can they describe? I think it depends on the per on the person. Can 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 the can the cause be can, can the cause also be the cure? Like you said, like a, a person who's, who's who's a successful company in business. Yes. Can. And they're distracting themselves from their depression and anxiety. Can can that like in that sense, can their depression and anxiety be a result of working that hard, but also curing it in a sense, not curing it as in yeah. kind of like dragging it sure. out because it's a distraction. Sure. Yeah, I know what you mean, and 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 I think the 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 awkward answer to that is yes, it can, um, but that would sort of stave off uh, events. Um, I don't think it'll fix necessarily go to a long way to fix their general sense of well-being, mm. um, um, which is you know why why they don't stop. You know, there's, there's this continuous. I need to. Um, what's the next venture? And I've got to continue. And uh, you know, I've got to um, get a new, better job. And there's a never. You know, uh, looking at someone and seeing that they're content often might mean that they're just they're not. They don't look like they're going anywhere, but they might be completely fine with that. What is the prevalence of the mental health in, in as far as like anxiety and depression in in our in our society at the moment? I tend to think it's huge, but as I said, it's difficult to put proper numbers on that. You can see um, you can see the, 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 the things that are easiest to manage at the pointiest ends: suicide and self harm. And that's um, way down the track. Of that yeah, that's right. You, you would you would hope that people get to things well before that happens. Um, uh, so, so those things are measurable, but it's just really hard to measure where people are at because everyone in this room now might have an anxiety disorder. We, none of us know. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, not, I do. But, yeah. I do. Everyone, and, know, everyone and, knows yeah, that now. Yeah, now everyone knows <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but these things, are, is it high? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean your life is uh, off the rails. It doesn't mean you're very ill or anything like that. Um, you know, but so, so um, I, I've got kind of got anthropological hypotheses about this, and I don't know if they're true. Um, but you see a lot of um, a lot of types of uh, therapy taking off. So, you know, everyone's seen those adult coloring books. Yeah, Where, yeah. Remember Juan had it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, that that sort of thing has come out of the dialectic behavior therapy, the, the literature that comes out of DBT. They call it. And the idea behind it is that it, it forces you to slow down. It forces you to concentrate on something very simple uh, and creative. Uh, um, and and it just neurologically, it forces you to um, slow down. Turns your amygdala off, right? Now, Same way like with the Japanese back in the day, do the bonsais and all of that. Exactly. And the gardening. Right. The and gar right. Now, see, increasingly our society is doing less and less of that. Uh, no one paints anymore recreationally. Paint, only artists paint. Um, no one... Uh, less and less people are uh, music is becoming less of a recreational thing that's been diverted off to musicians do you know what I mean um, even even fight sports have become even sport in itself you, right. you run to lose weight you don't just run for because, the enjoyment because that's right exactly right um, 
so um, now we have to do that artificially. A lot of people's downtime are screen focused. I'm guilty of that myself. It's been easy five hours in front of a game, no problems. But you leave, you, you don't, that, that, that neurologically that doesn't calm you down. It's quite stimulating, but it calms your body right down and it's distracting. Um, now that's not to say, to say there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but um, if, there, if, there is a, if there is an underlying problem, that can be a, a bit of a distraction that doesn't help calm it's down. It's hard too, because even the distractions are a ways of making you anxious or yes. even become addicted to gambling. Like some of the gaming Absolutely. stuff at the moment, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of um, kids experiencing debt because of gaming, because yeah. they're purchasing stuff. Yes. So then they're getting addiction, which leads to depression and other stuff yep, yep. from something that was meant to relax them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, addictions are, addictions are a really interesting um, idea. There's a new wave of thinking that's coming out, that's emerging now around addiction um, that's, that's sort of steering away from um, addiction being a chemical hook. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think the best illustration of, of, of the, the way that we're thinking now about addiction is was that huge social experiment called the Vietnam War, where uh, most, uh, <laughs> it's a social experiment, right? Anyway, so where huge amounts of, of American soldiers were using primo heroin, you yep. get it from the source, right? Yep. It's not cut, you don't have to go through your local dealer. It's, you know, it's, it's very, now the, the big fear was, because people were getting addicted to heroin over in a war zone, and a very ugly war zone at that, that they were gonna have, at the end of the war, they're gonna have an army of junkies come back to, to, to back home, right? Um, uh, and they did get a lot of people coming back with some problems, but... But it was minute. Yeah, it was a very small number of people because they were leaving a war zone and coming back to uh, family, support, employment, things that gave them uh, uh, reason and purpose um, and they had nothing left to be distracted from. Do you know what I mean? There was no impetus to use anymore, so they stopped. And the, the, probably the amounts of people that stayed addicted were the ones that didn't have the support structure when That's they right. came back. Yep, they were from homeless. And I, I was going to say, most of those people would have been homeless or from bad support structures, so nobody really gave a shit. Uh, it, it, to begin with. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's so right. it would be even hard to... Like, the percentages of those people that ended up addicted would probably be incredibly high, and the people that came back to supporting... But not to say that they didn't no, no, suffer. No, no, no. no that's but it would have been question. much lower than that's the right. Thing. Exactly right. Um, um, what we think about addiction now is is largely from an experiment uh, based on rats. So you put a rat in a cage and you give it um, option of water or coke water. Great way to live, right? As in not not Coca Cola. I mean like cocaine water. Invariably, the rats would almost always OD and kill themselves on the, on the coke water. You have a bit of water and then you have a bit of fun water and you go, whoa, this is great. I'm going to keep going back to the fun water. Now, you redo that experiment with a massive uh, uh, um, cage with other rats in there and pipes and things to climb on and heaps of food. So, so you know, the rats... And ability to socialise. Ability to socialise. You're going to have lots of sex, uh, rat sex. I, I, just, <laughs> it's I, incredible. It's amazing. Tim hosts a channel. <laughs> that's right. Lots that's of right. incredible it's rat a good sex. It's we- a good website. Anyway. <laughs> rat Tinder. <laughs> rat Tinder. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I can recover from that. Anyway. Um, and you'd have the Coke and, and, the, and the normal water and rats didn't OD and they didn't die. Because they didn't, they had other stuff that was much more fulfilling to do. Um, so, so that's the way we're starting to think about addiction now. 
is that it's you need to treat the underlying causes for the addiction. And that's not as easy as just going, okay, make your life better because there's, there's habits formed and, and, and things like that. Um, and with addiction and even with mental health, there's a massive uh, criminalization element to it as well. Well, there's another, talk about special experiments, right? You took a look at Portugal who have decriminalized, it's push, probably pushing 25 years now, 25 years ago they de- decriminalized um, drug use and all the money that was put into criminalizing drug use, they're put into treatment and they haven't gone back. You know what I mean? So the, the fact that they haven't gone back on that, that's not to say they're endorsing it. They're not sort of, you know, saying, yeah, heroin use is great. It's a great way to deal with your problems. They're not saying that. They're saying you need help and you need to fix that. But that was, that was a good, uh, I'm pretty sure it'd be close. If, if not 25, it's definitely over 20 years and, and, and it's working. Um, generally, criminalizing something isn't necessarily about stopping it from happening again. Um, let's not say you make everything illegal. Certainly not. Um, but but your response to crime matters. I, I think a big thing like now for me like and I only say it because maybe some friend of mine watching or something now I have this like the anxiety which I'm seeing you for and um, hasn't helped me by the no, fucking way. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you made, made, you made it worse. I, I've actually got a vested interest to sort of keep it just keep you functioning. But I don't want you to go. This is a pay packet for me, right? And. Uh, and like when when it happens and you start talking to people and you find out that a lot of other people have it yes right but it's so taboo that like it's like then and i and i've I've, this is all um what's a anecdotal yes for me that that i'm just seeing and there's like these classifications of people there's like a bunch of people you know your family close friends they care about you they want you to do well there's a whole bunch of people that don't understand never gone through it and don't give a shit yeah and I don't mind those people. Yeah. I'm okay with those people too. But then there's this little cohort of people that are like, they, they're ignorant as well, but they're glad you have it because mm-hmm. it makes them feel like they're better than you. That's right. You know, and they're smarter than you. Uh, yes. And it's the same, that kind of thing where if somebody has a mental problem or something or mental mental illness or, or going through something, they're the same people that will say to you, and I think we've said this before as well, like they'll say, I think you should go see a psychologist yes. and it's said in that way if you hurt your leg mm. I say to you man you should go see a physio or you should go see an exercise physiologist I mm. think that knee needs help mm. and nobody here would look at Rob and go oh yeah oh you're sad, you know yes but the way that <coughs> mental health is approached is like I think you need to see a psychologist like I'm better than you that's right and there's and the person that you're saying it to for the most part is already vulnerable that's right you know, so yeah. I I really realised that, like, really full. And my me, I'm very lucky in that I'm relatively successful. Like, you know, I'm okay financially. Thank God, um, I have an excellent support structure around mm. me. I don't. I'm not like, and I guess as far as cases go, I'm not that bad. Yes. But I can just imagine how bad it would be if you. If you think, I'll give you an example. This yeah. is a real life example. I'm going to give the example, David. Um, <laughs> I'm not back at work yet. Mm. I'm not back at work. I came in because I thought this would be a good reason to 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 bring you in to to speak about to promote the courses and that that we do and mental health. And like right off the bat, like I've been in the building for like one second, and mm. the one of the people doesn't. I'm not going to that. That's you know has a position mm. in the, in the, in mm-hmm. the TAFE. Let, let's say it just came up and started being incredibly insensitive. He did. He came being incredibly insensitive. 
I obviously responded not the way I would have liked to because mm-hmm. I would have liked to respond in a different way. Yeah, sure. But um, I obviously... There's no violence. Was no, no, no yeah, it should have okay. been. But, um, <laughs> but I, I just let them know that, you know, they crossed the line. Mm. Now I'm thinking like, I'm lucky I have all those things in place and I'm reasonably intelligent. I have a good grasp on what the situation is. But if I was like in a more vulnerable position, even if I didn't, re- and I'm, a- I'm actually kind of lucky I externalize mm. how mm-hmm. I feel about stuff. Yep. In in the sense that I'll tell the person, look, I, I think you, you, you went past the line, mm. you know? Um, but if you're not one of those people and you internalize it mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable by economic and social needs, I could go home and kill myself. Sure. Easy, and, and easy. Yeah, that's right. And, 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 and there are a, a huge arrays of considerations. Like imagine you, were, you had a, a lot of exposure to violence early on uh, 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 and, and someone says that to you, you it's going to be met with potentially a bit of physical force. And now that, that underlying uh, mental health problem becomes a criminal one. You've just you've just gone off your head, and, and or you lose your job because you've just yelled at him and threatened him. You know, so yeah, there there are really big problems, and and people generally just look at the the surface, what you've done, that surface behaviour, um, and, and and not look at what's underneath that, which can be a whole range of things. Um, With that, like, so you got anxiety, depression, like you um, addiction. But tech, sometimes they feel like they're all one. Absolutely, they're all very well. Yeah. So how how how, how do we like? Because I feel like I have depression sometimes, but I'm not sure if that's due to an addiction because I'm not feeding it, I'm not eating enough, or I want to eat junk food or sugar, yeah, yeah. and then I get sad, or yes. is it because I'm anxious about not? You know what I mean? Like the, it's the, just, there's yeah, it's, a it's like the perfect storm of those things mm. to really set someone off uh, yeah I mean that, that that sort of brings me back to the, the original question about contemporary Western society um, just just about diet and what you eat there's a huge links between very because we've got really it's a really never before in human history have we had such access to sugar ever so we haven't we haven't as a, as a species we haven't come to a point we've just never lived on this amount of sugar and it's probably going to have impacts beyond um, physicality you know you see it often in kids um, who are diagnosed with things like ADHD and you can treat it quite easily by taking out a few preservatives which are better than others and no processed sugar and they're fine I've got a colleague who had a, had a, a child when the child was about four or five would melt down frequently and I don't mean you sort of your regular difficult situation you have with children because you that's what happens they were meltdowns that would last hours uh, and they took out uh, a sulfate, a particular preservative, I can't remember what it was, and they took out all processed sugar and he was fine. They went to a party and he had a couple of lollies and he had a meltdown on the way home. I said, oh, did you have some lollies at the party? Yeah, I did. And now he's grown out of that now. But there are huge links between our lifestyles and our mental health, lack of physical activity as well. Sport releases the perfect amount of endorphins for your brain to get them artificially in a, in, a, in a bottle is not the perfect amount and it's not they're not yours so they're really strong so one of the biggest treatment um, recommendations for depression is exercise just go for a run go for a little jog and you, you, it, it does neurological things to make you feel better now all throughout human history we've had to be much more active but now when you get home from your sedentary job you go home and be sedentary again that's going to have an impact on your mental health and 
But you can still be relatively fit, relatively healthy, and still suffer. I'd still blow up, absolutely. Yes, and still suffer because it, it's almost almost asymptomatic for in in some cases. Yep. Uh, at least on a surface level. Yes. I think when you delve into it, you could probably start to family history, etc. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like when you say, Dave, like you feel like you have like do you feel you have like a depressive personality or do you feel like like the the start of depression coming on uh, i can now i can generally feel it and i can put in stuff but like it's overwhelming or like say work i think is a big addiction that we don't acknowledge and we get encouraged to work and yes our whole society is based on us indebting each other so we feel more obligated to work because i have another debt to pay that's right yes <laughs> um, exactly so, so, so then that overwhelming and if you're a single income family and all this other stuff substitute that depression for food because mm-hmm. the work isn't going the way I want it to yep. or it's this makes me feel better for me yeah it makes me feel better or you purchase stupid shit yep, that's right um, yep. and, and generally when you, you feel that extreme kicking on it's people can't stop that where I'm lucky enough to know it's like oh I've gone a bit too far now yes. I need to regulate myself yeah, but that's that's been hard work it's not something you click out of no <laughs> like, no 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 that's right yeah yeah um one of the things you were talking about that piqued my interest was that you talked about, you know, if you've got a bad knee, go and see a physio. That, that you know, you know, you see in a lot of sort of rhetoric, you see, we're trying to almost medicalise mental health. Yeah. You've got a bad knee, see a physio. You know, if you've got... Um, and also, a, can I just say, yeah. with a physio, it's like... Go to physio. That knee's going to take six weeks. You should be better by now. That, yeah. And with mental health, yes. it's the same thing. It's like That's right. you, you took be, six weeks. You should be you better, should be better, by, better now. by now, right? Like when I when I just got back here from work, I'm not yeah. even back, and the guy is like yep. being like like, yes. and and you think like this is a person that has like a certain amount of education. Mm. I, I should say schooling because education is different it's to schooling. Yep, yep. He has a certain amount of schooling. <laughs> yes. Right obviously lacks a lot of education yeah, yeah. and he's extremely ignorant and yeah. stupid yep. and hopefully uh, please watch it and please come and confront me about it because <laughs> only person in the world that i'm happy to to talk to you about and and th- this kind of person man like who's who's in that in, in a in a position in, in an educational facility yeah is that ignorant so imagine then like people that have no you, you have no education you have no nothing what what do you? I think you're often better off without education. So you, you, um, you can still be very highly socialised and be intrapersonally sensitive without education. Do, do you know? Do you know? Yeah, what I mean? absolutely. Um, so, yeah. well, I think that's education. I think the right. schooling's different. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, some of the the most intelligent people I know, are, you know, haven't got degrees, and I've met a lot of people at sort of. Um, high degree by research conferences that can't quite think very laterally. Anyway, I won't go into that. But that that the medicalizing mental health has its pros and cons. So I think the original drive to medicalize mental health was about um, helping people see mental health uh, in a way that you would see the busted knee or the, you know, the common cold. It, there's no judgment in it. Do you know what I mean? You, you go get help. But there are, you know, and I think that's a good thing in, in that way, but there are still some, some big drawbacks to that. Um, to start with, mental health 
isn't is, is far more difficult and, and complex to treat than uh, a common cold do you know or the flu just go you know, here's your antibiotics you should be right in a week if not come back um, you know there are, there are a lot more um, underlying factors um, treatment isn't as easy as a bottle so so sure medic, medical looking at it through a medical lens can be helpful but then when you look at it you can't treat it the way you would you can't treat mental health the way you treat something medical if that makes sense yeah now but when you start to then you get that you should be better by now you've had your treatment what's going on then you start to you know you move into the the stigma starts to come back and you're weak i think you've been talking about that before yeah yeah. we've had those conversations before um so yeah so so you know i'm really in two minds about medicalizing mental health um talk to your gp you know, I've gone toe to toe with a lot of GPs about. You know, uh, I've got a, a, a good friend of mine who who went to a GP twenty years ago, and they said you're not you you your your brain doesn't produce the right um, chemicals. Here are your bottled chemicals. That was twenty years ago, and he's ever since then he's on this slow, uh, um, fairly consistent um, need to up his medication. Mm. Now he is still an incredible. This guy, a very good friend of mine, but he's still a very really super negative thinker. Everything's a problem. Everything's a catastrophe. His life's falling apart. There's always a negative spin on everything. And now, neurologically, he's responding very appropriately to the way he thinks. So if he thinks everything's shit, you're going to feel bad. And then that's going to release hormones and that's going to release chemicals in your, right. the way you think and then so yep. on and so forth. Yep, yep, yep. Now, the problem with, with maintaining... Uh, uh, maintaining medication is that he will never change the way he thinks and he never changed his lifestyle he doesn't exercise he doesn't do anything so his whole lifestyle his whole thinking patterns is set up perfectly for depression it artificially creates another codependency or an yeah, addiction that's right he's that's addicted right. to those tablets yep. now because he's been taking them for 20 years he's tried a couple of times to win himself off he's tried once to go cold turkey which was catastrophic and i would never um, recommend it uh, um, but there you go that's that's now you're, you're just dependent on it because it hasn't changed anything um, the other killer with that too because medication costs money and then you get the f- cost factor mm. into it and then you become financially so there's another depression kicking in uh, because that's right. the medication goes up yes. so high and I've seen a lot of cases especially in the Aboriginal community where they're so medicated yes. <laughs> um, but they can't actually afford that medication that's right yeah yeah, yeah. So and then and then you've also got the, the, the that old pharmaceutical chestnut yeah they've got a certain investment in making sure people keep taking these medications I was um you guys everyone knows Oscar De La Hoya the boxer one of the best boxers of all time yeah. a, a, a Mexican American guy and he's talking about how he was bred to fight like basically mm. from five years old upwards he was made to fight um and his dad coached him da 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 and then later later in life after he, he you know he, he runs golden boy promotions now and he was oscar the golden boy de la hoya mm-hmm. and he was had this image of being the golden boy i don't know if you guys are familiar with oscar de la hoya's yeah. story and then he um all this stuff came out with massive amounts of infidelity, substance abuse, and mm. da da da. And I was watching him recently on Graham Be- Benzinger show, and uh, he do- they did an in-depth interview in- into his life, and they asked him, "Where did that all come from?" And he goes like, in a classical sort of thing, but 
he was taught how to be a boxer, how to be a fighter, but he was never treated as a kid. So mm-hmm. he was never allowed to go out and play. He was never allowed to do anything. So he never really learnt any of the stuff of what it meant to be a kid or what it meant to be a human. Yeah. Just great boxer, great. And he knew this is how I have to act and this is what I have to do and da-da-da-da-da-da. Yes. So he lacked any of the skills mm. to deal with um, any sort of m- even good choices in life. Mm. like Or even, I don't know, choice is a funny word because uh, he's not going to make the same choice I'm going to make sure. if I was raised in a certain way Um, and I think that's something and I wanted to ask you this because I I see that that Stella Hoyer is very you put him up in lights so it's easy to follow him but you see that so much with kids that like they go to school then they go to tutoring and the Mm. dad wants them to build a bridge that connects Tasmania to mainland Australia you know what I mean whatever and that's the thing that they have but then that kid gets 99% in his UAI, which mm. for people that aren't from Australia is like a super high mark in their final exams in high school. He goes on to university and sometimes they can't even make the jump from high school to university because university requires a little bit more lateral thinking mm-hmm. and more independence. Yep. And then even if they do graduate, then the real world is totally different again. Mm. Um, and I, I've seen that. I know people like that that can't. Yeah. Uh, how much impact does that sort of stuff have? Like how much? Because the other thing is you look at the La Jolla and when he's talking, like he was talking about it, he's got his promotions, he's got everything. He's a multi-billionaire or millionaire, mm. whatever he is. More money than, you know, it matters. Mm. And this guy is fighting. He was saying he fights every single day hour of every single day mm. to battle with mental health mm. and alcoholism mm. and it doesn't that's why sometimes i look at it and i think like you do, you don't you don't fucking know like with people when you're looking at them sure that's right i, I think that the a really good way to look at that phenomena is to to compare um hong kong and places like iceland and look at their math scores so their education systems are really different the outcomes are really similar. So so uh, they they are the best in the world, let's take maths, the best in the world at maths uh, uh, in, in the Scandinavian countries, particularly Iceland, and Hong Kong. Suicide rates are really different. They're super high in Hong Kong. Super high in Hong Kong, uh, super low in Iceland. Now you can you can train a human to be a robot in anything. Do you know what I mean? And and at the at at the expense of the capacity to have a healthy family, the capacity to, 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 to enjoy a whole range of other things, to have a broad range of interests. If they're always training that one, you know, if you're always going to be a boxer, you can make that person be the best boxer in the world or, or, or super competitive at the expense of a whole other bunch of other things. But you've got to remember that's going to be at the expense of a whole bunch of other things. So um, you can generate a whole bunch of maths geniuses at the expense of... <laughs> a whole bunch of other things but the, the but they're not necessarily maths geniuses they might be just good enough to do that because of that, the they're like, like we robots. said before the pat- the patents and that don't come out of there they come out of western europe and us that's right because they are that you you can train a person to do one thing but you, it's very difficult unless you're giving them experiences to learn how to solve problems or think laterally or um, face difficult social situations and let them figure it out if you shield them from that and just say, no, you are now, we are going to train you up and, and just be a maths robot, then that's all you're going to get. 
you're not going to get someone that is creative uh, and can solve problems and can analyze something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that has a huge, huge impact on your mental health, particularly when the, the payoffs for being the math genius or being the pro boxer wears off. Um, and, and it wears off quick. Yeah. Like mid-30s. It's gone. Like now, people coming up now don't even know who De La Hoya is. Yeah. They know that he's a promoter, maybe if yeah, they follow yeah, boxing, yeah, yeah. they know that he's a promoter of Golden Boy promotions, but they don't really know like who he was. Oh, that's right. As in like when he was just beating the shit out of people, you know, like <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they don't know. Yes, that's right. And so now that doesn't mean... And yeah, the other thing now, there's a big identity change now. You can't do that anymore. So who are you? What, what What's left to give you a sense of self-worth? Do you know who Tyson Fury? Do you know who Tyson Fury is? No. Tyson Fury is like the the, the lineal heavyweight champion. He's mm. going to fight uh, Deontay Wilder now, I think in December, 1st of December or something. And he was at the top of his game, like at the very top of his game, like the heavyweight champion mm. of the world, mm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And everything that comes with being the heavyweight champion of the world. Then he had massive, massive panic and anxiety attacks and depression and whatnot. And uh, he's basically took him like two and a half years to, to, to learn to deal with the mental health. And yes. now he's back and he's fighting. Yeah. And it just and I saw him, he was on the Joe Rogan show, but I didn't, I didn't see that. But I saw him on the, the, I think it's called The Breakfast Club. And he was speaking about it. And he was speaking about like, like how full on it hit him. Like, and only people that have had that panic or anxiety understand like, like for him, he was talking about literally felt like a heart attack. Yes. Like knock you off your feet, yes. you know. Yes. And people don't don't get like it just comes out of seemingly, seemingly comes, comes out comes out, out of, yeah. comes out of nowhere, and it can happen to anyone. The heavyweight champion of the world it can happen yep. to whoever, and De La Hoya, whoever. You know, panic attacks have got to be one of the worst experiences a human can go through. Because um, if you're actually having a heart attack you find out pretty quick and, and people treat it and you know what to do and, and you know if you're you know but if you don't know and someone says to you something like oh it's okay you're having a heart attack you're going to go to they don't know what's happening do you know there is an assumption that whoever's telling you it's just you know and, and it's, it can be even uh, worse panic attacks are like the the uh, um, super outcome of, of, a, of a long-term anxiety condition usually um, and they're, they're awful they're they're, they're the experience of a panic attack. If you can, if you can imagine um, being held up at gunpoint um, and having a heart attack and um, having a seizure all at once, and you know you think you're gonna, you think all that's gonna happen. That's what that's what a panic attack's like. Not because it is actually like that, because that's just what you're experiencing. Um, awful, awful things. Very, very, very difficult. Um, and and the solution to that for a lot of the time is medication. Keep neurologically keep you calmer. Um, but you're gonna have to take that for a long time if you keep up the same lifestyle and thinking habits that maintain or that, that produce panic attacks. And it's and it's like it's ongoing too because like it's not like like your your body gets thrown out of whack, right? So your body gets thrown completely out of whack, and then it's not like you can just go and take three weeks off and it's all right. Like the serotonin levels are all out of yeah. whack. Um, your your ability to deal with cortisol and adrenaline is is like fucked. Yeah. And then the more your body produces adrenaline, the more it produces cortisol, the higher it elevates your heart rate, the more it stimulates your amygdala, and yep. then the more it's, uh, it, it, it stimulates your amygdala, 
the more adrenaline, the more cortisol. It's just a, it's just it's a just horrible cycle. A, am I correct with that or yes, did I yeah. butcher it? No, no, you did it. Yeah, yeah, you're listening. Yeah. And it just goes... Yeah. So the, the best, one, of the, one of the good examples, I think, to, to sort of explain it is if, if you were imagining, you know, you were, you were camping in a forest or you lived in a forest and a wolf chased you, you adrenaline kicks on, you can run faster, you don't feel pain, your blood thickens if you're bitten, etc., etc. Now imagine that's where you live. Imagine you just live with aggressive wolves. So, you know, you've always got to be on point. You never relax. That's kind of what it's like. That's what it's like neurologically. And it's not just the fact you're getting chased by the wolf. They're just around. And you don't know where. No. That one of them could have got in the house. That's right, yes. And and on top of that, if he's not in the house, now you, you're already anxious about the wolf that's going to be there tomorrow. Mm. And it's now imagine trying to get to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and imagine what that's going to do to your body in terms of um, uh, muscle tone, your your inflammation, all the things that um, adrenaline does. I find that a lot when I was performing as a musician, and mm. even if the crowd was just, you know, and I'm interested to see Rob's view on this a bit later too, around, yeah. you could be performing to 400 people, but that energy and that addiction... I can understand, like from my experience in the music industry, when you go up and you're performing to massive stadiums mm. and there's 20,000 people and you want to hold that level of adrenaline, when you're off stage, you're, you're a one person yes. <laughs> and without that support network and all that other stuff, that anxiety and you substitute. That's what I'm saying. Like that link to addiction. Dude, the adrenaline, after parties, yeah. fighters, like not raw. Yeah, well, they hold it. Dude, they go and they drink, they go yeah. and they get on drugs, they get on thing, and then nobody gives a shit because when they get to mid-30s and they're no longer in the public eye, people go, well, so-and-so, he was fine, and you think... And I think, I just saw that guy. Yeah. yeah. That guy looks like he needs a blanket and a feed. Mm. Like, yeah. he, he is struggling, mm. you know what I mean? And they don't care. People don't give a shit what that guy's doing to yeah. his... Uh, adrenal glands yeah. and everything mm. and on top of that from a fighter point of view like the the amount of adrenaline and mindset that you have to get into even to jump into the cage to fight that fight itself yeah. like the, your, 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 your chemicals in your body will be going crazy and then you have a stadium of people yelling yes what's the down from that and that's the addiction part isn't it and then the like it's just crazy how, how, how all those little things just formulate and then it's just I think I think addiction to that, like you can be addicted to that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the big thing is that that come down and then the substitution to the come down. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. What, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it, a lot of it will depend on the, the makeup of the person to 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 kind of be able to deal with that. Okay. Rob just went to the bathroom and just fill you in on what was being said. Do you, do you want to recap, Rob? Oh yeah. Just talking about the highs and lows of performing so from a music point of view you're there you're performing to you know i used to perform to you know a couple thousand people and that energy is crazy plus you're performing so your endorphins are higher and then from a fight perspective you're like you're already amped up about the fight you got the stadium of people coming down from that and maintaining and not overly trying to but what was the term you used, Fab, around the come down and not being addicted to that and how do you support that? I think, like, <clears throat> I don't know if I used the term, but I was just saying to him, like, you see a lot of fighters, they fight and then they go out drinking and there's an after party and all of that. And I was saying to 
to them like we, we don't do that with you because and what a lot of people don't understand is you do that for X amount of time but you don't see that fighter after, after they're out of the public eye you don't see him mm. but then you see some of the guys nowadays and like you've said to yourself about certain fighters where you're like oh my god is that so and so da 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 and they look terrible but the toll that that just takes on your on your system mm-hmm. is, is incredible do you want to talk to us a little bit about the what the highest highs are like and what it's like just after a fight in, in particular just after a big win and what what that kind of adrenal drain is in in those 24 hours after um yeah i, I guess a big thing is um it's why i haven't really why i've just been listening to to you guys is um I've been trying to uh, for 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 a while now. I've been trying to just get a hold of 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 what mental health is. You know, mm-hmm. trying to understand my own mental health and and my own emotions, so to so to speak, and and why I do things a certain way and why they affect me this way and why I feel this way after that. And I'm <laughs> I'm still no closer to the answer. <laughs> 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 you know? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm I'm still, I'm still trying to, trying to work it out. That's why it's been very interesting for me to sit here and, and listen to you guys speak about this sort of stuff because it's, it's given me new angles and, and, and new outlooks on, on different parts of what mental health is. And yeah, like I said, it's just so hard to understand. Yeah, you know, it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is coming from me who doesn't study it like someone like yeah. you. And it is, it is so hard to understand, especially when um there's me trying to understand me which I, I cannot I'm still, <laughs> I am still str- struggling yeah, with that yeah. fact and then there's me trying to understand like you and mm. then there's me trying to understand you mm, mm, and then mm. and why you do things different mm. to him and then why he does things different yes. to me like it, it is just it's it's hard yeah. <laughs> and, it, what, and to be honest like it, it mind boggles me what's the what's the, your feeling like what's the feeling that you get you're in the cage because like like I, I j- just to like sort of preface what was about to, to think I'll, I'll just to give you my when when I because I'm in the back a lot of the times with Rob and with the other boys but in the UFC in particular because it's so loud and mm. you're at the back and there's a dude comes out and says five minutes meaning five minutes you're gonna go out and there's a guy standing next to you and he goes out to fight mm. right because we're all in the one corner you know some and then you go, good luck. So you don't even know the guy, mm. but you're all like in this thing, like, good luck, man. See you later, bye-bye. And you kind of hope he wins, you know what yep. I mean? Because he was, he was there with you. And when they open the doors and that, you can hear the roar of the crowd. It's mm. like the Coliseum. Mm. And then they fight and the guy comes back. And sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. Nearly all of the time they come back. Battered. Mm. They've changed their face, mm. like mm. Khabib would say. <laughs> And then they'll say five minutes, it's Rob's turn, the adrenaline, the anxiety. It's it's like for me, I'm talking about for yeah, me. Yeah. I'm not even fighting. For me, it's at like I am like hyper vigilant. Mm. Like I can see the matrix. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and then we go out there and the walkout happens and the crowd, it's like I don't even know. Like I'm watching the fight and I don't know. 
any anything that's happening else. Yes. I, I don't know. I don't. People go, did you hear the crowd, Fab? And I'm like, oh, dude, I don't fucking know what happened with the crowd. Is like, there a crowd? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. Like, yeah. it's like I can I can talk to Rob in the cage. Yeah. Like a lot of the times, I can. You can hear me, eh? Yeah. Or you can hear the others. Like you can hear each other, you know, and uh, and then then after the fight, the adrenaline is for me. I'm just talking me. It's it's incredibly high, mm. and and I know enough to take care of my body and myself because like just with cocaine and whatever, just cocaine, yeah, that's, just that's right. just cocaine. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, I, I know yeah. enough to do that because of how how much it, like the emotional dump is in your in your body and it might take a, a while yeah and if you don't i don't mask it with any agents mm. so you just let that sort of go through you naturally yes that that's sort of what we're talking about like I, do you have you, a similar experience to that yeah uh, except he's fight, actually yeah, fighting yeah, people yeah. <laughs> it's 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 hard it's, it's super hard to explain to people because mm. they're like i wonder what it's like and then um there's a big difference to fighting because people, like, a lot of reporters and interview yeah. people, they ask me, they're like, hey, what's it like now that you're fighting for a title? What's it like being mm. the main event? What's it like? And you're like, I'm trying not to think about it, to be honest. Yes. Because, like, yeah, the essence of the fight's the same if you fought, if, if me and you were to punch on right now, yeah. opposed to me and Romero last fight. Yeah. Like, the, the essence is the same. We're Result would be different. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Tim, Tim would get it done. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You wouldn't leave it to the judges. That's right. Um, yeah, it is a like we're both fighting for our lives. Yes, that's the same thing. The same emotions. The same. Everything happens all at once. The difference is all the bullshit around it. Yes. Like uh, it's very different to say if I were to hit you right now, or your all your responses just kick in, yes. and you're barely even thinking. Opposed yes. to, oh, we have to fight tomorrow. Be ready. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know right what enough. I mean? Like yeah. that 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 thing changes, and then amplify that to the to like a thousand times now you're not fighting tomorrow you're fighting in three months you have three months to do everything in your power to try and beat this guy in front of millions of viewers at home that's right your family's coming your wife's going to be there your kids are watching at home all our mates are coming you get a message from your boys oh hey heard you're fighting in melbourne all of us are coming can you get us tickets like your family from New Zealand you've never heard of go, hey, cousin, going to meet you in Melbourne. It's going to be great. And you're like, wow. And then your sponsors text you up. Oh, hey, we've got a box if anyone wants to come. Like, all five sponsors. So you know that your performance is riding on your, you know, your other financial income paying yes. off. And like, starting a race now, thinking about it. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Because it, it is just, uh, that's just what it is. Yeah. And then it all culminates into this fight week itself is, is bullshit. Like, yeah. Because everyone is, you just see other fighters around, you see the other coaches, everybody hates each other, yes. everyone's hungry, you're all there for a work, you're trying not to give anybody else an edge into your psyche yes. or into your, or, or like at you physically. And then, you know, you make the way in, and then it's fight day, and Fab just explained in the back room, everyone's in there. It is literally like a, a, like a gladiatorial arena. Yeah. You know, you. Like everyone's in the back you hear the crowd screaming for blood out there yes dude's yelling out five minutes five minutes poor guy walks out comes back defeated yeah. or not bloody most times yes like it comes back in and he's um yeah and you're like well he just went through it and then another guy goes and comes back and he just went through it and you do all that and then it's your turn and the the pressure and the emotions at that point are like nothing you've ever felt yeah. um 
I, there's a lot of times I'm behind the, the black curtain. The black curtain, yeah. the crowd's gone mental. The announcer starts to announce to call me in. My music starts and I'm looking at this black curtain going, fuck am I doing this yeah. this is absolutely ridiculous yes. this is ridiculous like I shouldn't be here like I, I, I don't want to do this and I think about that in most fights like b- behind that black drop I'm um I think this is crazy like this is why am I doing this why am I going to go into this octagon and fight this guy yeah. in front of all these people it's yeah. like it just doesn't make sense and then um then you walk out there and with those kind of once I start to walk though Everything disappears. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yes. Like everything disappears for me. I um, I like I, I get into a work mode until I get in there, and then as soon as you touch gloves with your opponent, I'm I'm dead to the world. Fuck. Is that right? I don't feel anything. Um, yeah. So so you talk about uh, uh, coping strategies, and and so I couldn't do that. I would be so so you might have the perfect psychological social makeup for that task. I couldn't. I'd be too aware. I could hear everything. I'd be too far. I'd be scra- and then I'd be knocked out. Something. <laughs> 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 well, like, keep it down. I'm trying to fight. Yeah. You know. Um, so, so th- th- this sort of person is likely to be able to cope with that far better. Now, I've I've talked to a lot. I've talked to people. What do you do for a living? For me, at parties, and I work with sex offenders, and they. So I've, 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 I'm very cautious now because I did that once years ago with a guy um, whose brother. Uh, suicide successfully suicided and um, because he's been abused and, and that just fell up so so yeah sorry so some people um, aren't cut out for, for different work and it sounds like you can do that quite successfully it's always going to be difficult and there's going to be yeah, and you, can, and you can see it in the fighters that aren't they can't do that yeah. they can't switch but the, the problem is Th- that's why you might he could you know you might spar someone or roll with something, whatever, yeah. and they go, oh, I just did really well with Rob or any any mm. high-level fighter. They go, you know, he's not that good. Like, I roll. Yeah. And I think, can you do that in the cage? Uh, yes. Be quiet then. That's right. Just shut yeah. up. It's That's very right. different. Like, yes. And, and there, there, we, we've spoken about it before. There's, there's, uh, there's people who are good at sparring. Yes. And there are people who are good at fights. Yes. You know, fortunately enough, I'm a guy who excels much better in the actual octagon yes. than I do elsewhere. Yeah. Um, not to say I'm any <laughs> bad on the mats when I train, yeah, 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 but no. I'm, I'm a better fighter than I am. Yes. You know, you know something that I find, going back to that, like the highest high and the lowest low, like the highest high of the night, and then the lowest point of the night. Let's say you won. You're high as a kite right after, in the cage. What's that, how far is that drop in adrenaline? Like when does that adrenaline wear off? Um, the, the the thing is, I, I I don't feel I don't feel happy when I win. That's not the emotion I get. Mm. What do you feel? Relief. Ah uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel relief. I don't feel happy. Happy's not the word. I, I'm happy when my check comes. Nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I'm happy then. Yeah. Like uh. I'm happy when I look at the fight retrospectively yes. and I'm thinking, man, that was fun. That mm. was something good. Like, and I think about the different moments in that fight. That was good. Um, I think about the whole event as a whole, of the whole experience from start to finish, from like two weeks, three weeks out to there. I think, man, that was a good experience. You know, one I'll remember forever. But the, 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 the feeling I get isn't happy when, um, when I win. 
it's mm. it's, it's more it's more relief Even relief of the the pressures yeah the pressures yeah. of fighting um but not it, it it's got no relation to the actual opponent not like oh nor, i'm relieved that you didn't hurt me no no nor nor the outcome to be honest because even 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 the times i've lost i've been very down but the the over overlying emotion for all of it is relief mm. like it, it always is like i said we've spoken about it before i think i would be more suited to rocking up every saturday for a punch-up yeah. than i would be <laughs> think just because I'm, I'm i'm built like that like I, I can rock up and then we can just fight and then it's done and then we go back and then i'll do it again next week that's yeah. right you know what i mean but um is there a market for that or yeah. car parks <laughs> there probably is a market yeah. but then it goes back to that yeah. whole brain damage thing yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. and then but then, like, and then that's where we go to, like, people who celebrate after fights and stuff. It's like you can, you can try and, t- like, if I were to take myself and, and put myself in those positions where I party, and, and everyone's like everyone's your, your friend. That, yeah. That's a very, that's a very big point, mm. and that's a thing that, that that really sticks is that when you win a fight, everyone wants to go out with you, and you know, pat you on the back and, and yeah. hang out with the winner, and then when you lose, no one contacts you. Like when yeah. the times I've lost, not a single person has. As, as like once they hang out with me mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. I'm a loser mm. um, and, and, it, and it's, it's so stupid too like it? it's so like <laughs> like when people people talk about like, like we were talking about before about like Weidman he's four he's three and one or something you know like one and three or whatever and I think Dude, if you fought the guys that he fought, you'd be one and done. That's like right. he'd be one in fucking <laughs> yeah, graveyard. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, he'd be done. What's that got to do with him? Yes, that's you right. Know? Yeah, that's why I think like if you if you if you if you celebrate your wins, and you like you you make a point to celebrate your wins, then then you're creating that psychological response yes. yourself. You know, you're putting yourself in 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 that that risk of like okay you lose now you can't go party now you feel bad because you can't party because you enjoy partying yeah um and and yeah you know that's why but we, we've never been a big results team you know we're not mm. a, we're not a big results team mm. we're about doing the processes right because mm. the, the result the, is almost like and like you could go out and just get it just run into something and it's over so you just got to trust the process yes and trust that we're going to go back to work <coughs> and things are going to be done correctly mm. and if you fight a thousand times the, the odds are going to be in your favor that things are going to come out right mm. you know what mm. i mean mm. and there's not much in it there's like millimeters in yeah it. you do this level. instead of doing that and yes. you're done yeah 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 you know yeah so it's it's crazy. One of the, one of the things that you know when you talk about the adrenaline and all that stuff, like sometimes I talk to people, and they say like, you know, if I do you fight, and I'm like, first of all, I'm not even like the fight coach. Mm. Like I'm not the the head coach or anything like that. Oh, that that's not my role, and nor do I want to fight. And and people go, but you should you should like do like a like an amateur fight because you you know you'd be able to relate to rob Moore, and i think like do you have any fucking idea <laughs> what it's like that's like me saying like i shook hands with an aboriginal person once and now i can relate to david yeah, and right. the whole aboriginal community oh, yeah. so much better you know what i mean like the more he wants yeah, yeah like right. it's, what, the, what, are you, what are you like what are you talking about and i think like and i and i see that in people and i think like you taking like a little fight is actually like you're now further away because because yes. you think you're closer to to that yep. you're, you're actually further away because one thing's taking a fight for shits and giggles because you want to test who you are or whatever you know that that's fine i think that's awesome that's yep. great 
but like the like I've brushed my teeth. I'm not a dentist. That's right. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's it's, right. It's it's like totally totally that's, different. That's right. It's like it's, it's like the I'm really cautious if I'm on an interview panel, and someone says to me, "I went through, I used to be a drug user, so I know what it's like, and I can help the." You don't know what it's like for that person. You know what it's like for you. Yeah. Uh, so you telling them what to do is off. You need to be. I don't care about your experiences. I need to know that you can understand that person, rather than understand what you went through. Yeah, you can't just transpose that on another person. It's and especially relevant. like with the like the the highs and the lows of and and the, everything that that is uh, at stake when it's say when you fight, it's totally different to fighting and yeah. A couple of people going to watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then you throw on in, into the mix as well the financial incentive, the the, the fact that right, yeah. yeah, I'm earning a living. Like, yeah. yes. and and winning and losing directly affects my pay. Yes. So, yeah, I need to win. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to win to make rent. I need yes. to win to make a mortgage. Yes. I, have, I have kids at home that yes. need to eat. Yes. I, I need this, and uh, you know, it's just it gets to be much like um, and a big thing is like uh. The mental responses, you know, as, as you guys were talking about earlier, the mental responses uh, cause a chemical response. So, like, um, so I go no, after every fight, I just go back to my room and I see my wife, and yeah. we normally order in, and I just stay there because, yeah. um, but I, I order in, but I can never eat. Yeah, no, because no, I, no. I have um, after every fight, I have the worst acid reflux yes. and like my body, my body has is cooked. Yes. Like it's done. Yes. I can't eat. I can't. I can't think about anything. I just want to lay on the floor yes. and stare at the wall. Yes. <laughs> and people go and dump alcohol into the into the system yeah. after it. Yeah, straight like, after. Like that. I just stare at the ceiling, like literally stare at the ceiling. Happy to stare at the ceiling. Yeah. This is <laughs> like nice. it's like the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I just lay there doing nothing. Just yeah, it's it's just it's just it's just strange. And then you know, like cool, you went through it. Six months, you got to do it again. Yeah. And then, and then, like the anxiety you feel about the anxiety you're gonna feel, yes, gets hard. Yes, <laughs> you know it gets hard, and it, right. it, it just like people think, oh, you, you must be used to it by now. It's like you don't get used no, to that stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, you you can't get used to it. No, and and you can't because it's an appropriate um, body response. You mm. need that adrenaline and whatever to fight. So you're not going to get used to it because then yeah. you'd just be walking in. Well, you, you're actually not being stimulated. That's right. Yeah. Yes, and, and you need the stimulation to to for for you be able to elevate your heart rate, right. produce your adrenaline, yep. react accordingly, yeah. re, have your reflexes on you know on point. Yeah. Your your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems turning off yep. and on so that you're just not digesting like, food while no, you're no, up that's there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, just like you would be if you were being chased by a wolf in the forest. It's a yeah. very similar physiological response. Yeah, it's, it's hard. How yeah. much, Rob, is a? Do you think? How much can you learn to deal with those, with with that, or how much do you? And Tim as well, what you're, and you as well, Dave. Like, you probably would see it being a musician back in the day. Like, you'd see people that are great in the studio, but then they can't sing in front of a crowd. So, right. how much? Do you guys think you can learn to deal with that to get better at it versus how much of that do you have to actually have it in you? What do you think? That's a good question. Um, 
for me personally, like I said before, like I've, I've, I've just been sitting here listening and, and, and taking it all in because yeah. it's a hard, it's hard to understand yeah. uh, for yourself and for especially when you're trying to try to understand other people. Um, a big thing that has helped me immensely, immensely with um, with my sport, with me dealing with things outside of the octagon, with everything, me being uh, in a business professional sense, is just under- trying to understand what I'm, how I'm feeling, and why uh, I'm feeling yes, it. Yes. Just uh, yeah. Yeah, like just just, just more just, control to you, right? Yeah, it's like understanding. Okay, I feel down because I just had a massive argument with someone. Yeah. That's all right. Yes. That's all right. That's good. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the same thing with fight week is like, okay, I'm nervous. I feel the pressures on me, and that's all right. Yes. Like today's the day I'm supposed to feel like this. Yeah. I'm supposed to feel the pressures. I'm supposed to be nervous. Today's the day I'll go to work. Then I'm yes. going to do that, and then after the fight, there'll be no pressures, and I won't feel like that. Now that's from a from a neurological brain perspective. That's a really sophisticated thing to say. Um, particularly because you're in a fight sport, right? So if, if you're looking at it from... The, the reason that human skulls are so bigger than other, animal, bigger than other animals compared to our bodies is because we've got a, a big part on the top of the brain that um, regulates your moral reasoning, uh, uh, your ability to prob- problem solve, um, all that sort of stuff. Under that is the limbic system, which regulates, essentially regulates a fight. It tells you to be scared, it tells you to run away, it tells you to climb a tree, uh, it tells you to lash out at someone, um, all, all those. Now, if, you, if they work together, which is exactly what you've just explained, so you, you're feeling um, angry or you need, because you just had a fight with someone, a lot of people don't bring that, the, the top half of their brain online to go, that's okay, you know what I mean? So, so those working together, I think, is uh, maybe that's part of the reason for success is a lot of people would just stay with that um, limbic response, stay with that emotional response, don't understand it and just fold. Mm. I can't do this anymore, that's too hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my point, yeah. I've okay. just, um, yeah, it's, it's just been it's been huge for me in, in, in that regard, so like helping me just, I guess, just get through it and deal with it and understanding that it's, o- that it's okay and yes. that it's good, yes. if anything. Like em- embracing that sort of feeling. Whereas when I was younger, and earlier in my in my career and i'm like it got me th- i got through the fights all the same but you can only do it for so long before mm. you start mm-hmm. to feel the baggage and, mm. and start to get more tired than you but should how be. much of that do you think you have to have naturally versus how much you you can learn like if uh, guys that can't perform under the lights how much of that can be helped like how much of that do you think i that, think that could be that can be fixed yeah. i think it can only make you better but i'm i'm I, I, I don't know. There's just some. I don't know. There. It's a hard question. Because <laughs> it's it, not. It's not essentially what you're saying. It's not just physical capacity. I, no, to fight. it's not. It's, it's like in, in in music. How much do you think is like there are guys that can't. Guys being a gender neutral term. How much do you think there are people that can't sing under the lights? Uh, heaps. Like you can slay a guitar, but you can't perform live. You yes. can't play with another band. I think group sports are interesting, where you can see. They're the best kicker, but put them in a team, yeah. and they're pointless. Yes. So, so that's social anxieties, yes. other other stuff that builds up that they can't actually function in a different setting. So, yeah, I see it a lot around persons, the best guitar player or whatever, but they can't perform live. Yeah, generally because they can't perform with other people, which is interesting. Yes. You, you know what? Else? Yes. How many people? Like I, I always say, like 
if, if I had to do a uni degree for what I do for a living, I'd probably just scrape past. I'd probably just scrape by. But... I'd no, I, that, I, but anyway, yeah, go. No, but, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think I'm... I'm that good, like, I, and I have the my, my degree to prove it, my marks <laughs> to prove how shit they are. Like, I I was never that good at it, but then what, the stuff that I do, I excel in it. Yes, and I see a lot of people that their so, like their assessments look amazing. Yes, and all that stuff looks amazing, but then you turn around and you look at it and you go, but can you do that? Even though it's not fighting, but mm. can you do that when when that's going to be your life's work. That's right. Like when... Oh, look, I've, I've failed students on that premise that they uh, send me a, 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 a snippet of their work on video, a, a counselling interaction, and the, the paperwork that goes along is fantastic, but the interaction is robotic and sterile and so I fail them. And they cannot handle that because they've... <laughs> yeah, look how nice it is. It's got it's colour-coded that, and everything. That's right. And, and they write really well and it's amazing, but I don't want, I don't want you sitting in front of a vulnerable person. That, that's on me. How, so how, how much do you think you can change that in performance? How much can you, if a person can't come to life under the lights, how much can you change it? I think it's changeable, but it's got to be it's going to be a lot of work. I think it's far easier if it's inherent. I mean, hearing you speak, there's obviously heaps of inherent traits in you that are just there and they've been there forever, for I don't know however long, that just that give you that that mental fortitude to be able to not just perform under lights, but you know, you've also got the threat of another person causing damage to you, right? So, mm. so to teach someone to do that would ah, oh, that'd be just like an enormous enterprise that I'm not convinced is worth the pressure to do it. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think like, and, and a lot of times get people, another job. Yeah, and, and then there's a difference between the person has it. And, and you just have to bring it to light? Yes, yes. That, right. that, and, and, yes. I, and I see that a lot with people that, look, they have like a mental health coach or whatever, or a mental coach, and they say, and we fixed him because we used hypnosis and yeah, da da da. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, think, I don't think you fixed him. Like, yeah. that's kind of like, that's the same thing as when like a, a physio says, I can fix your knee. And I think, really? Yeah. This is going to be interesting. Yes. Can you fix his knee? Or did the knee, you, you facilitated the healing, healing process? Right, exactly. Right? So then I, I think, like, when I look at that, I think, like, all right. Did did you actually fix that? Did you make the person be able to perform, or did you just get yes. some stuff out of the way and then they were able to do it? Yes. But I, I don't think everyone can. I think though we we're so obsessed in our in our society with say for example, like you want your kid to be a guitarist, mm. so your kid plays a guitar eight hours a day. Yep. And you have five kids, and one of them makes it. Yeah doing that yes but you don't see the other four that thing and, and then the other four could have been great carpenters yeah that's right do you know what yeah, i mean but yeah, they're not but they'll never know now they're heroin <laughs> <Yeah>. addicts <laughs> you know what i mean like because they, they they didn't spend their 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 time working on their in, gifts in, that's right exactly yes yeah that's the most helpful way to look at it i think it stops you sort of forcing someone into a mold with it that they're not meant to go into um the other thing before we before we go, they some of the people were asking for a Q and A. Um, we'll do a quick Q and A with these people on. People asking for a Q and A today. Yes, sir. Oh wow, good. <laughs> asking for a Q and A. Now with all the anxiety and yeah, shit, that's it's, right. It's, yeah. it's not a. It's not. A, we're not going to really do a huge Q and A. It's more like we'll answer a couple, couple questions. questions. <laughs> yeah, like, anyone that has one. Okay. 
Frog Vapor, Tim, this is one of the best things you'll ever experience. <laughs> Frog Vapor asks, did we ever get to the bottom of why Rob doesn't like, like sex? Uh, Rob? Yeah, we, have a, we have a doctor here this who is, can help you. That's my man. Yeah, that's why we brought Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's still a mystery, mate. Tim, any, any reasons why Rob might not like sex? Uh, Do you yeah, think he has a, an, an inability to perform when... How would he know? <laughs> how would he know and how would they know? No one knows. My parole officer says I can't look through windows anymore. So I don't, I'm not allowed to look. So I'm trying to stay good. Oh, man. Um, Rob, are you ever coming to Brisbane by Circa H? Like, am I just going there ever? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I am. Uh, Ethan Pitt says, Can Rob come to the Horn versus Mundine fight with me and my mates? I'll buy him as many pineapple cruises as he wants. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Oh, God. No, God, he knows how to get to me. <laughs> pineapple cruises. <laughs> You're going to put that on the cage, aren't you? Right? Yeah. We're going to certify yeah. that as Whitaker's pineapple Whitaker's cruises. <laughs> <laughs> um, Grange TV. When did you know you wanted to fight? I'm assuming that he's not talking to you or me, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. And he's talking to Rob. When did you know that you wanted to fight? Uh, I've always wanted to fight. Like, even when I was a kid in primary school, I've always just, I've always just taking, taken, like, an appeal to, to combat. Okay. Rob, why does Rob only wear underpants in Fallout? Talk <laughs> 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 about the stream I did yesterday. Um... <clears throat> I don't know. The radiation. The, 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 too much weight. Got to got to get lighter so I move quicker. Uh, all right. Uh, would you fight one Romero-sized duck or ten duck-sized Romeros? Is that from? ten duck-sized Romeros. <laughs> I would do ten duck-sized Romeros. I'd smash them. All right. They'd be this big. <laughs> I'd kick the shit out of them. <laughs> My phone just died. Have you used your phone? With? But there's one question that actually, this I think is more f towards you, it says methadone treatment, can you look that up there because my phone just died, but is methadone treatment good long-term, short-term, etc.? So, well, that's a good, it goes back to the way you look at addiction. So methadone treatment treats the physiological side of, of, of addiction. Um, but it's, so if you, is that, is that the actual question? Yeah, keep, keep so I would say methadone treatment is useful to allow space to work on the proper problems because the proper problem isn't the drug use. You know, you don't you don't see many people coming from healthy families with great backgrounds and 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 a, and a great view on the world and suddenly become addicted to heroin. And it's it, it says <coughs> is it safe for short term and long term health? I would I. To say any substance is good long term is a misnomer. You're putting a, something that's not food or water into your body. Your body has to cope with it, so it's not going to be good. Uh, so it's not good for long term health. No. Um. Can I answer this one from Ethan Pitt? It says, has Rob ever gone into a fight being overtrained, and if so, how did that affect his performance? No, he's never gone in overtrained. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Good response, bro. Thanks, mate. Right, thanks, mate. Never, never, ever. Can I get serious questions too? Yeah, like, wow. All mine are just You're crap. About ducks and <laughs> <laughs> they are the smart ones. Okay. Uh, 
Rob, why are you bald? From Dang Ho. When I'm, you, I'm Rob. He, he's fat. <laughs> yeah, but he's asked, why are you, are you bald? He obviously thinks you're me. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> he has to. Oh, yeah. Seems logical to me. Yeah. <laughs> or, or me. Or, or Dave's oh, yeah. me. That's Dave. But, but, I'm we're, Rob. We're the only ones who are officially bored. We have no hair. You have hair. Well... Okay, that was too much for us guys. It says, <laughs> Fab, I read about an Excel you maintain for Rob. What kind of data goes into it? Uh, it? The stuff that goes into Rob's data is like we work out the intensity and duration of each session. We note that down, his diet, what he weighs, resting heart rate, uh, heart rate during the sessions, how many sessions he did, what he did in those sessions. Um, injuries when he was injured how much when how long it took to recover so it's pretty comprehensive and then we have the the diet what he ate um we break down what he ate into macronutrients and micronutrients and so we're able to just uh compile that data over you know the five years we've been working together so we know what he's eating when he why he feels the way he feels uh how much training he's doing uh how much the training affects his recovery we're able to understand if he's going to, if he's training too much, which has never been the case. Um, <laughs> we're able to understand all of that. So that's the stuff that goes into into the data sheets. It's important not to overtrain, mate. Never. It is, that's right. <laughs> um, Rob, do you think your world rehydrates with an IV? <laughs> I think I think your world rehydrates with a sensu beam. <laughs> <laughs> With a what? Sensu bean. That guy blows up like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't get yeah, it, do you? There's lots of you too. <laughs> the geeks get it. So. <laughs> Rob, Perry Cunningham goes, uh, how does Rob deal with mental health? Oh, I should, like, like with, well, with my own mental health? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't think that you deal with society at large as mental health. <laughs> well, hey, you've heard him just put me down. Like, I, I heard that. How do you deal with that? Yeah, how, how do I you deal with you? Yeah, that's um, true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just try to. I guess I, I I I try to keep the things that I can control healthy for myself. So like my family environment, making sure I'm training, make sure I'm eating right, and then um, I just try to understand my emotions and why why I do things. And why things are affecting me the way they are, and if, and then I get I get I get tune-ups. You know, I, I go I go and see Tim. Tim, when um, when it gets too much or when I don't understand something, and yeah, you know, I, I just, just I think positive relationships, having good relationships, <coughs> yeah, is probably one of the best things you can do. Eh, Tim? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and just just uh, get some get some um, help answers. You know, it's not all help is negative. That's right. Did you see the video of Paulo Costa using an IV? Like when? I think, funnily enough, Romero posted it up of Costa using the IV. Like recently? Yeah, apparently. Well, you obviously have. No, he hasn't. You haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Paulo, Paulo Costa, Romero put up a, a thing of Paulo Costa using an IV, I think, to rehydrate. How he got his hands on it, I don't know. <laughs> well, well, it's it's funny. The pot calling the kettle black. That, that saying is the kettle calling the pot black. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, no, yes, it is that saying. Um, and funny it's, guys. 
Good luck to both of you. BNC says, <laughs> Rob, how are you so normal? BNC, you don't know Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know you very well, mate. Yeah. I am I am on the fringe of society. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rob, what kind of martial art do you think is the most important to train in MMA? Um, any, to be honest, any. I don't think any uh, any single martial art is any has has any more importance than any other one. It's just uh, just getting getting involved, sticking with it. Angelo Frizzino wants to know: Does Rob have any plans after his pro career? No, zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> That'll be it for him. <laughs> all, all my eggs are in the, the fight basket. <laughs> Heaven forbid I ever have to stop. No, I, I've got a bunch of things running on the outside of, of, of the fight world. Obviously, my priority is the, is the fight world because that's my career, that's my profession, that's what I do. But um, I have a bunch of systems and, and businesses and, and other ventures, you know, yeah, apart and, and separate from the fight world. Rob, how long were you training specifically MMA before you had your first pro or amateur fight? Uh, prob- probably about four, four, four or five years. Four, yeah, four or five years, perhaps. But I've always been in martial arts and combat. So like karate, jiu-jitsu, hakido, and then MMA. Dylan Campbell, this is a good question. <clears throat> Rob, how do you deal with the pressure of UFC giving you the hardest matchups? I feel like they're trying to get you out of there. They don't like humble champs, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> solid, solid, Dylan. Um, the pressures of, of Dylan. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care who they put up against me. I, I, I don't care. Every every opponent is just a, a challenge for me. It's just a, a hurdle. I love being underestimated. You know, mm. um, I, I love the challenge. I. I prefer a hard fight than an easy fight because there are no real easy fights anyway. So um, I don't get. Plus, I like upsetting people. The UFC want me out of there. I'll upset you because I'm not going anywhere. Like I, I, I like that. I like. Yeah, I just, I just like it. I thrive off it. I think. Well, probably this will be the last, if not one of the last questions. But I think. Um, oh, this is an interesting one. Would you ever consider going to one championship? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I um. My, my outlook is that I, I make a living through my profession, which is combat. You know, I'm good at it, and that's what I, that's what I, I, I do to make a living. Uh, who pays the bills is, is neither here nor there. Like, it, it doesn't need to be exclusive. It does right now with the UFC. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy working with them. But, um, you know, where, where, the, the, the path of, where, where the path leads me, you know, who knows? How do you cope with the frustrations of injury? Uh, that's <clears throat> that's something I've had to learn over the years. Uh, when I was younger, I used to just not do anything, <laughs> just mope around, get get fat, not train. Um, but as as I've as I've gone older and working with Fab and the team and stuff, I've had to learn to work around injuries. Obviously, injuries depress me like anybody else, and I hate not being able to train. I hate seeing people being able to train free of injury while I'm doing cardio bike or something like that. It, it, it frustrates the absolute hell out of me. It actually makes me depressed. I get depressed seeing other people training and fighting when I'm injured. Uh, and it's something I've had to, had to get a grip on like, and, and, and understand. But uh, injuries don't last forever. You, know, you get through it like everything else. It's just, it's just a, a part of the process. Do you think USADA does a good job? And if so, do you think Romero is a clean athlete? Um, <laughs> um, 
Okay, let's let's break it down. Do you think USADA does a good job? I th- I think they're doing the best they can. And that was a deep, <laughs> deep answer. Read into that as you will. Um, okay, it says here, is it hard being such a hum- humble, respectful person in general to have other fighters trying to call you out and not giving you your earned dues? Um, I've, I've heard that a couple of times. Like, is it hard to be humble? So I guess I don't try to be humble. It's yeah, just how it is. Yeah, it's just who I am. Like, I, I, um, I don't, I don't see fighting any more than what it is. You know, two guys in their underpants throwing down. Like, that's that's what that's what we're doing. Um, I I respect my opponent, and I respect his abilities because if I don't respect his abilities, I will underestimate his abilities, and that can only be a detriment to myself. This Mason Walker has some brilliant questions i'm going to just you don't even have to answer them but they need to be said this first question was would you ever punch a kangaroo followed by the subtle but yet compelling question <laughs> is it hard to pretend to like sex that, that's all i just feel that if he didn't get his time no. here he would not get his time at all I, I would never punch a kangaroo that is a glorious animal and it's on a 50 cent piece you you got you need to check yourself <laughs> um and <laughs> Do you think Michael Bisping was afraid of Romero? I don't think Michael Bisping's afraid of anyone. He's fought like how many times did he end up fighting in his career? I don't. I don't think you go through that many fights being afraid of people. I just don't think it was a smart fight for him, and I think he's got a head on his shoulders. Um, I guess we'll leave it at that. Let's. Let's leave it at that, guys. Thank you so much for the episode. Tim, thank you so much for your time and for coming in. No worries. Robert Whitaker, thank you. And Mr. David Roberts, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. guys. Peace.